Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So tonight we're continuing our Supernatural series. And as we're continuing our Supernatural series, tonight's subject, I, I, I realized I was over here, mo- I've been over here the past two weeks, so I'm going to start out over here, hang out with you guys. Um, our Supernatural series, we're going to be talking tonight about life and death. Because this supernatural series, what we're talking about is that there are things that happen in your everyday life that seem very like boring and very ordinary, but are actually, there are supernatural things going on um, inside your life. And tonight we're talking about life and death, and we're going to talk about salvation, what it means to be saved. And before you check out and think, well, I already did that, I want to tell you a story, and I don't usually do this, um, but I'm going to tell you a story about someone who attended our youth group. And this person, um, I'm not going to say guy or girl, but this person um, attended this church for a while, and this person um, started in the kids' ministry. Um, And at a very young age, this person was led by an adult in a prayer asking Jesus to save this person. And this person grew up a little bit older and kind of became known as someone who caused problems in the kids' ministry. Um, actually cussed out the kids leader a few times. And then the first night in youth group, this person decided it would be like a really funny thing to just like halfway through youth group disappear and like hitchhike to the mall. And that person was doing a lot of those things to cover up something that was kind of like going on inside their, their heart because they were realizing, hey, you know, I've gone to church for a long time, but... I don't necessarily act Christian. Um, so they were, that, this person was doubting their salvation. They started going to school and got in trouble at school. Um, they got suspended twice from school. And the second time, um, the old youth pastor went down and visited with them. Um, and it caused this person to doubt whether or not they were actually saved. And I don't usually share the names associated with the stories of people in the youth group who do that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, But tonight I'm going to share the name of that person um, because that person was me. Um, I went through a time as a teenager, a kid and a teenager, where because I was saved, I, I prayed a prayer when I was five years old, I went through a time in my life where I wondered, am I like really saved because, like, I know my parents tell me I did this when I was, like, five years old, and you had me call everybody and tell, you know, tell what I did, but I don't, I, I keep doing all these, like, wrong things and all, all these bad things, and I wonder, like, maybe I'm, I, I'm not saved. And I went through this period of doubting. So tonight, I kind of want to talk about what it means to be saved, not from the perspective of Have you ever prayed a prayer? Like, you know, do you have like a date written in your Bible? Like, do your parents like remind you of that time? And, you know, I want to talk to you about what it means to be saved, not because I think there's a bunch of people in here who aren't saved, but because I want you to have the certainty that I have that I'm saved. And I also want you to be concerned about people that you know. Um, so tonight, you know, we're, we're talking about something that, 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 that's heavy and it's, it's hairy and it's kind of like, you know, it, it's difficult to talk about. So what I want to ask you to do is not to check out on this one because this term determines your eternity and the eternity of people that are in your school and in your house and on your soccer team and are on the volleyball team that you play against and on your basketball team. So I want you to realize it all kind of comes down to this one thing, that what you decide about Jesus determines where you're going to spend forever. 
And if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 7. And as you're turning there, I want to ask you, are you saved? And if you are, do you know someone who isn't saved? And I think we all fall into one of those two categories. So there's, there's something you really need to hear about what Jesus says here. And it's in Matthew chapter 7. I've got the verses on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible. Um, it's always, you know, not shaming you if you don't bring your Bible, but you, you know, some of these lessons you really want to bring your Bible so you can write things down and highlight. Um, but in Matthew chapter 7, this is the greatest sermon ever preached. Not talking about the, ser- the lesson that I'm giving. It's Matthew chapter 7 is the very end of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, the longest sermon we have recorded in the Bible that Jesus ever preached. And in this Sermon on the Mount, you maybe have memorized some of the verses from that sermon. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what your parents always remind you of with your brothers and sisters, right? Um, you, we, we know that, but Jesus, what Jesus was doing was he was presenting to these people who were gathered. Most of them were Jewish. Some of them weren't Jewish. These people were gathered. This is the eternal life. This is the life I'm offering you. Life in my kingdom. And Jesus, at the end of this sermon, where we get to the end in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, this is Jesus' application points. You know how, like, sometimes I give a lesson and I'll give you F words or, you know, yeah, I always love to, and I got, I got them tonight too. But, you know, these are Jesus' F words. Like, these are, this is Jesus's. okay, you've heard everything I have to say. Here's what I'm telling you to do in response to that. And he says, he gives one very simple command. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And few find it. Um, I've really enjoyed kind of getting to highlight stuff, so I'm gonna keep doing it. But um, what, what you'll notice in this verse is this is the command. Like this is what Jesus is telling us to do enter by the narrow gate. Well, that does, what, what does that mean? Does that mean I need to find a field somewhere and find a gate and enter through it? Like, 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 like what am I entering? Like, enter what? Um, Jesus is talking about his kingdom. He's talking about eternal life. And what he says is, enter through the narrow gate. And as we keep reading, we learn kind of the first thing is that everybody, everybody, everybody in this room, everybody in the world, ends up at one of two destinations, Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 says, it's appointed to people once to die. Everybody knows that, right? Everybody dies. We don't like to think about it, but it's true. It's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, that means there's something after death. It says appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. That means that every person at the end of their life is gonna go one of two places. And you can see in the verse here that, that, that Jesus tells you what those two places are. He says that there's a gate that leads to destruction and there's a gate that leads to life. So you see destination number one, destination number two. Pretty simple, right? We, we categorize, yeah, this person is, is, is like a super sporty kind of like jock person. This person is kind of like an artistic person. You know, this person, all they do is sit, on, you know, sit online and watch YouTube all day. Like, like we, we categorize people, but God categorizes people two, of two ways. They're headed here or they're headed there. So everybody ends up at one of two destinations and you can see those destinations. It says that we end up in destruction or we enter in life. So I wanna start with the happy one. Can we do that? It's always good to start with the happy, I'm a happy guy. Any other happy people in here? 
That means the rest of you are angry people. Okay, we're not gonna get, the, we're not gonna go there. But let's talk about life. So you guys, are, more, more of you over here raise your hand that you're happy people. So you got, uh, this side is gonna be the life destination. Yeah, feel good about that. This side is gonna be the destruction destination tonight, just, just for practical illustration purposes. So there are, there are two destinations. There's life and there's destruction. So the big question, right, is if e- we're e- gonna end up at one of those two places, what does Jesus mean when he says life and what does Jesus mean when he says destruction? Because that's, we gotta know that, right? If we're gonna end up in one of those two places, we gotta know that. So what does Jesus say about life? Look at verse 21 of chapter seven, if you still have your Bible open. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So we see the, yeah, the first thing that it tells us is that this life destination has to do with the kingdom of heaven. John chapter three, verse 36 says, whoever believes in the son, whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. So life, it doesn't mean like life, like a a, a good life, like a a period of time. It means live forever. So one of the destinations is live forever in God's kingdom. And we keep reading. You can turn there if you want to. Kind of hard to find sometimes, but Revelation chapter 21, literally the second to last chapter in the whole Bible tells us what heaven is gonna be like. Let me read it to you. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So life means that you're gonna be living with God. It says, he shall dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. We will see Jesus face to face. We'll be in the presence of God. That's life, what Jesus was talking about. Listen to what else it says about this life. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I mean, God gonna do a lot of wiping. You know what I mean? Because how, how often have you cried during 2020? Yeah. How often have you cried this week? How often have you cried in your whole life? Think about how God is gonna wipe away, he's gonna take away all of our sorrow. It says there'll be no more death. Think about all the people you've had to say goodbye to and how sad that is. There will be no more death. No more mourning or crying. You won't cry again. Some of you are emotional people, and that is hard to believe, isn't it? No more crying, nor pain. This life is a life where the word cancer doesn't exist. This life is a life where the word COVID doesn't exist. This is an everlasting life, and not just an everlasting life floating on a cloud, you strumming on a harp. This is a life with God, with Jesus, no more sorrow, no more pain. That's when, so when Jesus says life, that's what he means. So we, we've been over here talking about life. What does Jesus mean when he says destruction? This is an important question to ask because everybody's gonna end up at one of these two places, right? What does Jesus mean when he says destruction? Well, let's go back to Matthew 7. Actually, stay in Revelation 21, I'm sorry. It talked about what, where people go to that have life. In verse eight, though, it talks about what happens to people who suffer destruction. This is a tough verse. It says, as for the cowardly, the, faithful, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Destruction, what did Jesus mean by that? He meant hell. You know, we, we see hell in cartoons. We hear it in songs. I'm on a highway to hell. And we think that's funny, but I can promise you this, ain't nobody in hell gonna think hell is funny. 
I know this is hard and I know this is difficult, so let me point you to the words of Jesus. This is what Jesus said about hell. In this same sermon, Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter five, same sermon, verse 22, he says, I tell you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Then later on the verse it says, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So in this sermon, what was Jesus thinking? What did he mean when he said destruction? He was talking about a literal place called hell. Jesus said some other things about hell. He said it's a place of punishment. In Matthew 23, 3, talking to religious people, which is interesting, he asked them, how are you gonna escape from being sentenced to hell? So hell is a place of punishment. Jesus said that hell was a place filled with fire and darkness. These are Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said, so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus also said it's a place of never-ending punishment. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, these people will go away to eternal punishment. Imagine a punishment that is unbearable, but never ends. Do you see how drastically I'll show you the destinations again. These two des- Do you see how drastically different these two destinations are? Do you see how this is the most important decision? This is the most important thing that anybody who has ever lived could think about? I know this is heavy. It's gonna get even, even a little more wild. So everyone ends up at one of two destinations. I know you may be asking, how's that fair? That people could go to hell. Well, we learn in, in, in look, look at Matthew 5 again. Matthew 5, verse 20, same sermon. Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was presenting them. We don't think of anything when we think of the scribes or Pharisees. Those were the religious elite. So imagine if I gathered all the, I think there's six of us, all six pastors of Lewis Memorial, and I lined them up here, and I said to you, and I pointed at these guys, and I said, unless your good deeds exceed, I'll leave myself out, um, because I'm not a real pastor, I'm a youth pastor. Uh, Unless your good deeds exceed all five of these pastors, you'll never go to heaven. That's what Jesus was saying here. Why did he say it? Because we learn other places in the Bible that all have sinned, everyone has sinned. Romans 3, 10 and 23 tell us there's none righteous and we all sin and the payment for sin is death and hell. So sin deserves hell. This is logic for those of you that study logic. Sin deserves hell. We all have sinned, so we all deserve hell. Man, that's heavy. So let's go to the next. Let's give you a little hope. The next point that we learn here is that where you end up is determined by what path you're on. Jesus talks about two paths. Let's go back to the verse here. Jesus talks about two paths. He says, the gate is wide. Let me find another color here. Let's do pink. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. So there is a, there's a way, there is a path that leads to destruction. What was destruction? Destruction was eternal punishment in a place called hell. Then he says that there's a way that leads to life. So there's a path to destruction and there's a path to life. But here's to me the saddest and scariest thing about the whole deal. Look at the path that leads to life and look what it says. It says those who find it are few. 
even scarier is that Jesus was talking to a group of people who practiced religion. And he said, those who find it are few. So that tells me there are two paths. There's the, there's the uh, path that leads to destruction. I'm going to call that the, I'm going to use the words of ACDC, the highway to hell. There's a path that leads to destruction. And there's a path that leads to life. And we're going to call that the roadway of righteousness. But the scary thing is that the default position, you know what I mean by default? Like you get a new iPhone 12 and you want to flex real big and get that and pay big money. Your parents pay big money, get that iPhone 12. When you get that iPhone 12, it's not going to be loaded with all the stuff you wanted on, right? It's going to come with the default settings. You know that the default setting of every human is the highway to hell. We are born destined for, because remember the logic, you know, hell deserves, or sin deserves hell. We've all sinned. We all deserve hell. So we're, this, the default position is the path to hell. Why is that? Because we have pride. Because we say, I want to work my way to heaven. I've got this figured out, Jesus. It's okay. You know, that kind of thing. The roadway to righteousness is a choice. How do we know the difference? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father, meaning enter that kingdom of heaven. This is, this is it over here. Entering the eternal life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the question that you need to ask first before we go anywhere else with this is what road am I on? Jesus kind of gives us in the next few verses, a GPS to tell us where, you know how you can hit the button on the GPS and it like zooms in and tells you like exactly where you are? Jesus kind of has a bit of a GPS here that tells us exactly which road we're on. And he kind of does it through a few different, I guess you could say object lessons. He talks about trees, claims, and builders. If you look at the verse 15, it says, beware false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. These are the people that look like a Christian, but inside they are just as sinful and just as full of the world as anybody else who doesn't claim to be a Christian. It says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? If I'm gardening, do I just go out into a big patch of weeds and expect to pluck some beautiful fruit or gourds that I can break walls with? No. Right? If, if I want pumpkins, I'm going to go to a pumpkin patch because a pumpkin plant produces pumpkins. And what Jesus is saying here is that you will be, verse 20, known by your fruits. Being saved is the root. The way that you live your life is the fruit. He talked about trees. He talked about claims. Verse 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father. On that day, that's that judgment day. It's appointed unto people once to die after the judgment. I know this is, this, is, this is heavy. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. It's possible to profess Jesus, but not possess Jesus as your Savior. So we could substitute instead of, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? We could say, Lord, Lord, did we not go on mission trips in your name? Did we not work VBS in your name? Um, did we not show up to every youth group event ever? 
Jesus said, though, I never knew you. You have to know Jesus. Verse 24, then we talk about the builders. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, the command is enter by the narrow gate, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. That's Jesus. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It's possible to build your religious house, not on Jesus, and still make it look like a pretty good house. You can still say all the Christian things. Uh, you, you, You can study the Bible and know the Bible better than a lot of people. But if you don't have, if you have not entered through the narrow gate, if you have not trusted Jesus as your savior, put your faith in him. It says that on that day, the day of judgment, you're not gonna have a house left standing. First John, I don't have time to get into it tonight. First John provides us a pretty good spiritual checkup. So I'm just gonna show you these. Read through them real quick and they're gonna be on the Refuel app because we don't have time to talk about them tonight. I wish we did. Um, let me show you these. First is the on-ramp on the roadway of righteousness. Has there been a time where I changed my mind about Jesus? Has there been a time where, here's what it means to be saved, to change your mind about your sin, about yourself, and about your Savior. Change your mind about your sin, that you have sin, and that it separates you from God. Change your mind about yourself, that there's nothing that you can do to earn your way to heaven. And the final thing is to change your mind about the Savior. You believe on Jesus. Have you Pass through the gate, are you on the on-ramp to the roadway of righteousness? Then there are some vital signs that John walks you through. You can go on the Refuel app and find the verses and chapters for all these. Do I accept God's word as truth or am I buying into the kind of whatever you believe mentality of the day? Here's a good sign that you know Jesus. If you struggle with sin, does that surprise you? You should be afraid if you sin and don't struggle with the sin. Do I demonstrate love to Christians or do I have drama issues at every church or youth group I attend? Scroll through these real quick. Do I identify more with God's system or the world's system? When I sin, do I get convicted to make it right or do I continue to live in it? Do I see myself being like Christ? Do I see my prayers being answered? The most important question that you can answer tonight or any point in your life is what road am I on? Because there's a road that leads to life and there's a road that leads to destruction. The final thing, and this is what you need to know, what you decide about Jesus determines where you spend your forever. Here's the thing. This is the whole point of this sermon that Jesus was trying to get at is that you can't earn your way to heaven. It's impossible. He was speaking to a bunch of people who were, they were very religious and they had a lot of works, but they were counting on that to get to heaven. And Jesus said, you gotta have righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees to even have a shot. He pretty much telling them, you can't earn your way to heaven. And then Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Here's how you know you're saved. Was there a point in your life where you changed your mind about sin, about yourself, and about your Savior? I can look back on my life and now, now looking back, I realized when I was five years old, I understood enough that I was a sinner, that I couldn't work my way to heaven, and that I needed Jesus to save me. I wrestled with doubt, and there was a time when I was on a mission trip, and I was 17 years old, and I got tired of wrestling with the doubt, so I decided, I said, you know what, today, 
I believe that my sin separates me from God. I believe that, um, that, that I can't work my way to heaven. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I wrote that date down in my Bible so I'd never forget that I had a change of heart. So what you decide, what you determine about Jesus, I don't want you to miss out on this, determines where you spend forever. So how do we react, how do we react to a heavy sermon like, like lesson like this? Like what, what do you do with this? Well, I got some F words, just two of them. And the first is find the narrow gate by trusting in Jesus. You know, what's exciting is that in the middle of this pandemic, we have like a lot of teenagers coming. And I'm, I'm thank, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. I, I've got, I, some of you I've known my whole life. Uh, some of you I've known for like two or three weeks. So I've just got to ask you the question. Do you know what road you're on? And if you don't know what road you're on, why not enter through the narrow gate tonight and trust in Jesus as your Savior? And you don't have to wonder what road you're on. Find the narrow gate by trusting in Jesus. The next one, it's kind of a long one. Flag down people on the highway of hell and point them to the roadway of righteousness. If this is true, if there are two destinations and one is life and one is destruction, what does that say about the people that we rub shoulders with? What does that say about the people that you try to stay six feet away from at your high school? What does it say about the people at your Christian school? I, I've talked to some of you about my Christian school. I've, I've been, I've had, I've tasted all the color, colors of the school rainbow, okay? Yeah, I, I, I was homeschooled, went to Christian school, public, like, and I will tell you this, that my homeschool friends, there were some who were not saved and are still not living for God now. At my Christian school, there were people who were not, were not saved then and they were very proud of it and they aren't living for God now. So uh, no matter where you fall in that you know, different flavors of the school rainbow, there are people in your schools and maybe in your homes and on your teams and on the opposing teams, there are people that you see. You ever think about that they're on one road or the other? And what scares me to death, just, just looking out across, at, 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 well, part of your faces, um, is, is to think that one day at the judgment, I might have to look into your eyes and you look back at me because you were on the wrong road and you, you, you look at me like, why didn't you tell me that there were two roads? It scares me to think about that I might see that in the eyes of the people in my neighborhood and the people at my church and the people that I went to high school with and, the, and, and my teenagers and leaders and every, do you realize the serious? If there are two ways and there are two roads and there are two destinations, Nothing else really matters. So I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna get out of here. Um, but as you go ahead and just bow your head and close your eyes, we're not gonna do one of those like dramatic things, but I just wanna ask you, just bow your head, close your eyes. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or anything, but I wanna ask you to look into your heart. I wanna ask you to look over your life and ask yourself the question, whether you've been going to church your whole life or not, what road am I on? Have I not done a bunch of religious things, but have I tr is there a point in my life, not when I was baptized, not when I was confirmed, not when I had a, yeah, was there a point in my life where I changed my mind about sin, self, and Savior? Do I know that I'm on the road that leads to life? And if you don't know that, right where you're sitting, trust Jesus as your Savior. If you've got that settled and you know you're, a child of God and you're on the road to life, I want you to think about one person who 
you don't know what road they're on, or you're pretty sure they're on the road that leads to destruction. I want you to ask God to bring that name to the front of your mind and to keep that name on the front of your mind. And I want to ask you to do something risky. I want to ask you to flag that person down from the highway of hell and point them to the road of righteousness. If this is true, nothing else matters. Let's pray. Um, Father, this was kind of a, a heavier lesson, a heavier um, uh, section of scripture to study, but God, these are your words, Lord. These, the, these are your words. And I trust that these words f- will fall on hearts that accept it, um, not hearts that reject it. Um, God, I pray, I pray so hard that if there's someone here tonight that does not have the assurance of knowing that they're saved, that they will call out to you tonight. Or they'll talk to their tag leader or talk to somebody, talk to their friend about what it means to be saved that they won't walk through those doors not knowing what road they're on. And God, I pray that you'll work in our hearts and that you'll help us to remember that there are other important things in life, but nothing is more important than telling people about how they can be saved from destruction. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.